My name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of SME VC, I talked with Carlos Simonsen. He's the co-founder and managing partner of Upload Ventures. He's also a senior partner at Sao Paulo-based private equity firm, Hapser, and Accordant Capital. He previously worked at Avant in Chicago and for 3G Capital, where he worked on the Kraft Heinz merger. Carlos earned a master's in industrial engineering from Columbia University and a bachelor of industrial engineering through a dual degree program between the Federal University of Rio and Means Paris. In this episode, we discussed why Carlos decided to move from working in the United States to Brazil to found Upload Ventures, Sao Paulo as a Latin American tech and venture capital hub, financial risk associated with governmental change in Brazil, the growth equity industry in Latin America versus the United States, and why Carlos believes it's easy to do business in Latin America. We discussed all this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Okay, Carlos, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Upload Ventures? Sure. Uh, I started my, so I did my undergraduate studies in France uh, for about three years. Uh, graduated, went to IB in New York, spent less than a year, went to Columbia, MSc in engineering. Uh, so the Mud Hall in Columbia in New York City. After New York City, I briefly worked at AB InBev as an intern slash analyst. Uh, I was more of an analyst. And at that time, I met the 3G Capital guys who were on the process of buying Heinz. And I worked briefly in New York and then worked, uh, went to the office in Pittsburgh uh, when the restructuring of Heinz was uh, uh, undergoing. So, so I, I, you know, from late 2013 until mid 2015, I lived part-time in New York, part-time in Pittsburgh. So that was an experience because Pittsburgh is a very uh, different town in the US, very remote. Uh, but it was great for me to see how a true restructuring uh, is done by a, by a major private equity fund. And I work in different roles, including uh, FP&A, Treasury, uh, uh, M&A, at, at, you know, uh, including uh, my history also in uh, Kraft Heinz. At the end of 14, we were already discussing the deal of Kraft, with, uh, which was a merger with uh, Kraft, a $9 billion merger with Kraft. And my role was to support uh, and to, to support essentially the, the DO team, uh, which was spearheaded by, by the 3G managing partner. Um, and to go over all the possible synergies between Kraft and Heinz. The deal was announced in late March that year, and we closed the transaction in July of that year. The day we closed the transaction, I moved from Pittsburgh to Chicago without ever going back to Pittsburgh. Uh, and then I lived in Chicago from 2016 until 2019. Um, I left Heinz in 2017 when the merger uh, with, um, what was the company again? Unilever, they, were, they tried to buy, buy Unilever. Uh, that didn't work out. And the company wasn't growing uh, because uh, the way they compensated people was basically they issue stock options and the stock needs to grow for you to have a higher exercise price. So uh, you know, with Unilever uh, not being an option, it didn't make sense to stay. Uh, 
so I left the company in 2017 to work in a fund that that had that started as a as a as a venture builder called Avant, and Avant had a private equity uh, arm, and this private equity arm had Allego Energy inside of it, and Allego Energy invested in portfolios of um, energy companies. So essentially, it bought energy companies, it bought uh, contracts uh, of of cities uh, of um, uh, in the region of Chicago and the Midwest. So it was a you know a straight up buyout strategy. Uh, at the end of 2019, 2018, uh, there was a big shift in the government in Brazil. I I was already uh, trying to to uh, build my own firm either in the U.S. or Brazil, and Brazil seemed less competitive. Uh, and my case proved right uh, when I came back. So I founded with Mario Moraes, my, you know, he's my uh, business partner for a long time now. Um, we found a Capture Capital. Uh, there was another person in Capture Capital as well. Uh, we had this person leaving and uh, we rebranded to Corton Capital. And the idea was that there was lack of capital to do growth equity investments in Brazil. There is a lot of capital to do seed and series A, but lack of capital to do growth investments in Brazil. Uh, so we are first, you know, our most uh, famous deal, let's say, on the growth stage was Niue, buying Niue uh, from the founder and selling it to B3, which is the stock market of Brazil works exactly like the Nasdaq. Uh, and we did that uh, between 2020, 2021. There was like a major, uh, it was the rockiest deal I've ever been involved in. Uh, it was my first, uh, let's say, special situation slash uh, growth deal in Brazil. Uh, we also led the Series F of Loggy, the delivery company. Uh, it was a straight up primary round Series F, uh, the, uh, the biggest e-commerce delivery tool uh, or service if you want uh, in Brazil. Uh, we uh, escorted on capital. We have invested in the primary. Uh, we have invested as major shareholders, major investor of uh Oles series e round uh we were the second largest institutional check uh and between last year and this year 2021 2022 we we negotiated a secondary round in y uh at that time we were the early stage team of softbank was being carved out of softbank and they didn't have a late stage strategy. So me, Mario, and uh, two other members of the team joined the early stage team of SoftBank and together we formed uh, Upload, Upload Ventures, which is uh, a full stack firm for both early uh, slash, slash um, seed and series A and, and, and then we do SPVs on the growth stage. We don't have plans yet to do a uh, growth uh, a full stack growth fund uh, but it's in it's in the it's in the roadmap we also have a bucket for specific situations uh, we it depends on market conditions the market it, it's lower this year but 
but we are adapting to this by um, you know meeting with uh, great founders and having uh, access to the best deals. I think the the whole um, power law in VC is to have access to the best people and and to support uh, the best founders uh, in developing their businesses. So we try to position position ourselves as as a Sequoia or 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 benchmark. Uh, we're not there yet, of course, but uh, we are being becoming more and more specialists in verticals that we we uh, like, uh, such as B two B software, uh, productivity, health tech. We have one investment in social media. Uh, we are also becoming specialists in the gaming sector. Uh, I myself led the wildlife uh, deal, um, and I learned a lot in the process. Uh, the gaming uh, industry is very different from from everything else that I ever learned, uh, and it's instant distribution to to billion of devices. Um, it's very competitive, but at the same time, it's a high margin business. So you you have um, kind of a de-risking. Uh, going on with uh, when you invest in gaming. I'm not talking about the so-called NFT uh, web three play. I'm referring to the straight up publisher slash platform play. So I want to talk more about Upload Ventures, but first a quick follow-up on something you said that's quite interesting. You mentioned the change in government that happened a couple of years ago and how that affected your decision to maybe start something in Brazil. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Like uh, so, Brazil shifted from. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not politi political or anything. Just a more uh, capitalist government was. Uh, that was the the thesis back uh, in the 2018 election. I'm not sure if that changed now. Uh, so uh, the deregulation that was taking place at the time was very interesting to me. Um, and the main byproducts of this deregulation were essentially a fix, uh, the instant payments of the central bank that changed everything for, uh, for a lot of people. And, and the level of the bank population just took off. The second thing was the, the social welfare reform uh, that put our public debt in, into the right trajectory. Of course, the pandemic um, maybe derail that a little bit, but uh, um, at the end of the day, uh, I don't want—I don't want to have a view of the president or anything. It's just like that in Brazil, you have just—it just have so much to do and so much to explore. Um, and it's, uh, believe me, I know it's less competitive than than the U.S. The U.S. is like the Champions League, and we're playing high school t-ball here. And at the end of the day, is um, it's it's uh, you know a new bank. Uh, it's a fund returner. Uh, we're looking for opportunities like this all over the place. We scoured the market. Uh, we have more than twenty five hundred companies uh, in our pipeline. Uh, so yeah, we, we have our hands full with pipeline. Both on the seed stage is more more even so. On uh, the late stage, we have around one hundred fifty companies that. And we cover about 200 of them. So uh, this year is it's tougher. It's a tougher environment, but 
uh, overall because of the elections, the World Cup, etc. But at the end of the day, we are very happy of uh, what we're building and building a, a business that's possibly going to last the next 30 years. Yeah, let's talk more about Sao Paulo as a tech city. Uh, how would you compare it to other Latin American tech hubs? It's usually, you know, it's it's up there with Mexico City as, as one and two. Some, maybe you might put it as number one, but how, how would you discuss them? Uh, so so I, I cannot compare Sao Paulo to Mexico City because uh, so Mexico City is is one very close to the U.S., uh, so it has like a natural like geographical influence. Uh, we do not have that. So uh, when, when you look at Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo was all built uh, in cash, not in debt. So it's a very different perspective in Brazil, where you don't have like a very robust credit market. You're starting to have now, but you didn't have for the past, you know, uh, 100 years. So. Um, and the other thing that I do like about Sao Paulo is that not only its size, but you know, everyone from Brazil comes here one way or another. It has, you know, a, it's a, like a, a rite of passage. Uh, um, I'm from Rio myself, like, and, and then you have people from the Northeast, people from the South, and, and you have this like melting pot of ideas that you know, enable uh, innovation that can enable a lot of exchange. Continuing on, are there non-Portuguese speaking VCs that you're working with that live in Sao Paulo uh, or, or either, either English speakers or Spanish speakers? And how big is that language barrier for those non-Portuguese speaking workers in this industry? I, I, I think like uh, what we, we try to do is we, uh, we have strong relationships with U.S. funds and we know the funds that are going to be long-term capital uh, partners with us uh, as opposed to helicopter VCs that come and go. Uh, so I, I don't want to like, you know, point any fingers, but we do have a list of funds that we work together to on on a you know on a basic we we do have touch points on a monthly basis with major U.S. funds, so I think it's less of a geographical barrier of you know the uh, those VC funds do not ha need to have a presence here, but they count on us to to for deal flow, and we count on them for, for expertise, right? And U.S. go to market, so the way we differentiate ourselves is to have. Companies that are built in Latin America, either Spanish-speaking Latin America or Brazil, that it can have a global presence. What has been your most successful investment and why? Uh, on the early stage side, we have very promising companies. Uh, some companies are growing a lot. Uh, I cannot disclose numbers, but uh, some our latest investments in Mexico have been uh, very good. Uh, our uh, main uh, software investment has been taken off in, in the U.S. And on the growth stage, we have the biggest mobile gaming publisher in the world. Uh, we have a little bit less than 1% of the company. Uh, and uh, we have Olist, which is the biggest uh, reseller uh, in Mercado Libre, which is the Amazon of Brazil. Um, 
and the most successful on a return a pure return basis has been new age due to the you know the timing of the investment we've we we spent maybe seven months holding the, the asset and um and it was a, a home run for us from a return point of view uh but we expect to make um uh, you know, a typical, you know, uh, uh, similar returns with uh, the other growth companies. So we were discussing the the, the politics and the, the the changing in administrations and how that affects investment outlooks. Um, without right. divulging any of your own opinions, which it's clear you might not want to do, um, and that's totally fine. Who do you think uh, will win the election? And more importantly. What would you say to kind of American or Western investors that are worried about sociopolitical risk in a country like Brazil, where they're worried that as soon as the administration changes, maybe their investment would go to zero? Look, uh, the, the main difference that I that I see is that uh, you should look at Brazil differently differently from South, Southern American Spanish speaking Latin uh, because of its population and Brazilians they. I'm not trying to be funny or anything, Brazilians, they want to get rich, right? So so they have, it's not a socialist country by, by all means, right? So if you have like a Lula or a Bolsonaro, at the end of the day, it doesn't really make a difference, right? The market, the, the financial markets are very, very developed. Uh, you have open banking uh, in place. You have FIX, which is the Fed now program uh, that is being copied from Brazil. Uh, so, and the fintech revolution started here. So, for new entrepreneurs in the U.S., I would just say, like, come here if you want to, you know, you know, bonanza. Uh, for U.S. funds, uh, I would love to co-invest with you if you have expertise uh, in the U.S. that is complementary to mine in LATAM. Um, and I think the re ecosystem for VC venture capital and private equity as a whole is way more robust uh, than 10 years ago. So uh, my message to, to, to foreign investors is that uh, Brazil has less competition. Uh, we have our own technology. We need external capital. Please come here to, to invest. We don't have we can be mixed up with Venezuela or or smaller countries. Uh, it's very different. Um, um, most of like you know founders that that we uh, we see here are highly educated, mainly in the U.S. Uh, so, and, and yeah, at the end of the day, the addressable market is is what's going to make uh, your your uh, strategy return hefty profits. There's a huge addressable market in Brazil. You're, you're completely right about that. I'd be interested to know previously when you've mentioned American investors and American VCs, they are like based in America. Are there any Americans that are living in Sao Paulo, uh, a, a part of the growth equity or early stage investment VC communities, or is it basically just Brazilians who've decided to join that industry? So we do have some Americans that work in the companies and, and some Americans that uh, work as as advisors to those funds, but um, I'm not aware of uh, investors um, 
other than like partnerships just such as Redpoint and eVentures here in Brazil uh, that happen in the past, um, headline, you know, things like that. But having boots on the ground adds a lot of value to uh, deal flow and, and, and sourcing. Um, what we usually do is we exchange more with American VCs that want to spend time and some time in Brazil. So we do have partnerships with San Francisco funds, uh, Valley funds, and uh, one in Los Angeles. Okay, so finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question, but with a uniquely Simia VC twist. What important truth about Brazil or Latin America do very few people agree with you on? That is easy, easy to do business. Very few, few people agree with me uh, in that. Uh, but we have right now, um, uh, I'll just, just for context, a company that you know, just took off in Brazil. Like they, in their market, they have a 90% market share. Uh, in the US, they are struggling a lot more. Uh, so it's just a question of how well you execute. You have the same tools um, and internet and, and uh, internet and, and everything that comes with it, like ERP, uh, you know, uh, banking as a service, whatever, uh, may enables uh, local businesses. So it's not as it used to be, right? If things have changed. Uh, they are way more robust. Um, and you have uh, a never larger software demand. Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Simia VC podcast today. I very sure. much appreciate your time. Sure, appreciate it, Trip. Let me know if you need anything else. Thank you for watching this episode of Cine VC. My name is Trip Gorman. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. And don't forget to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.